Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Welcome to episode 227, part de, or the Redux. Yes, the, the redux. redux. The Redo. Episode 2227, the do-over. The second warning the, shot. The second warning shot. The worst story. <laughs> but in other news, so this is Slam Fire Radio, and this is the Bone is Not Alone um, uh, uh, episode. Oh, we, so... Most listeners have figured out by now that sometimes we do, we record the interview and then we go back and record the show. And this is one of those instances. So what happened last week, listeners, was uh, Adriel doesn't computer good and things didn't work. So we here it is Sunday morning for him, afternoon for me. And uh, it's your fault that I'm going to miss um, recording with the guys again on Canadian Reload, or not Canadian Reload Radio, on the Reloading Podcast. It's been like 18 months since I've been on. Jim probably forgets who I am. Anyway, uh, so Tracy Wilson will be joining us later on in the show for the main topic to talk about uh, Gunny Richard Bone. And we made jokes about his nickname last week, and, and we didn't this week. And that kind of saddens me a little bit. Because mm-hmm. when your name, when your first name is Richard, and your last name is Bone, and what's short for Richard, right? You're really spelling this out. I think, I, I think most I of them to. should be able to get it. <laughs> I think so. But they are Slamfire listeners, after all. Mm-hmm. And I never assume anyone's intelligence. Because Good plan. sometimes, yeah. yeah. You know, my buddy has a theory that we should give everybody a sign. You ever hear this theory? A sign. Yeah, if you're stupid, you wear a sign that says you're stupid. Productivity will go through the roof because you will never ask these people to do anything that requires anything more complicated than breathing, essentially. So you'd be like, oh, excuse me, sir, can I get you to? Oh, no, sorry. Didn't see your sign. Carry on, pal. You're good. No, you're good. You're fine. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Wear the sign a little higher up so we can. Thanks, man. Can't wear a sign rate. So stupid. Anyway, uh, talk about sliding off the rails. Uh, so yes, yeah, Slamfire Radio, October fifteenth, twenty seventeen, and and Adriel, you were like, we do we have to wear those wait. signs? I think we we. <laughs> I think I think I've earned my sign. Yep, many times. So uh, I'm one of your hosts, uh, Trevor, and I'm the other one, Adriel, and Matthew is still busy moving, relocating, selling houses fixing airplane hangers that that's what he was doing yesterday i got to see him yesterday and kelly is with uh, the apple seed princess and the rest of the uh, maple seed contingent putting on a maple seed somewhere this weekend in ontario so that's why uh, she's not here but definitely doing a worthy cause as you'll hear me rant about here shortly 
Let's get into what we did this week in guns, which is brought to us by the Calgary Shooting Center, Canada's premier firearms retailer. This week, the Calgary Shooting Center has BCM M4 uppers on sale for $179. Um, Bravo Company Machine is what BCM stands for, and they do make some nice stuff. I, I am particularly fond of their charging handles. So if you're looking for a stripped upper, uh, $179. Can't go wrong. Tell Jeff we sent you. Yep. So, all right. Uh, my list, of course, is long, so I will try and uh, get started here and power through it. Ironically, I've had to add to it since the recording fail on Thursday night. But uh, let's start with going back a couple of weeks to the Ipswich, Nova Scotia Provincials. I was on the show the Thursday night before the Provincials where I was talking about how uh, I was going to do really well this year. I was going there to win it. I wasn't just going up part two participate i was going to win this time because i keep climbing up the ladder every time i go and i was winning until i went to a pub with a gentleman by the name of george and drank for five hours and that's when it all fell apart so unfortunately i was uh corner practice score he, he was 98 percent of me 98 and change so a little less than two percent separated us and then the next day I gave the match away with too many uh, too many deltas and a couple of mics, and in the end, I was 99.19%, so I was less than a percent away from first place, which literally means if I would have had like one less mic, I probably would have won. You should so. have taken uh, you should have taken that guy out drinking. Yeah, I did it wrong. <laughs> George ain't even in my division. And, and well, George took me out drinking. I had no intention of staying there and drink. I had Lorette with me, and all I ate was uh, three o'clock. I ate a pound of wings. I didn't eat again until nine thirty the next morning. Oh, brother! Anyway, it was fun. Good times were had. So it wasn't my championship, so it didn't really matter. But anyway, I shot. I shot a good match, and I shot in standard. And uh, gun ran flawlessly. Shout out to James Bork, Ginger Snaps, for letting me use his mags again. And by letting me use his mags, I mean James. Thanks for not getting around to pick them up from Lorette, so they were still there when I went back and was able to take them. <laughs> uh, then I shot. Uh, I think it was this the very next weekend. Muffin and I went to uh, Filthy's Range in uh, around Fredericton, and we shot two maple seeds. And this was my first maple seed officially. I've shot an unofficial apple seed, and I shot a. They, and on that one, I got my two. I got a two eleven or a two ten with a. They thirty caled me, which means that the bullet is so close to the line. If it was a thirty caliber bullet, it would be touching the line. So it's a, a way of having mercy on the guy who uh, who was just just missing one. And then, of course, we all know about my rage quit incident at the uh, charity shoot this year. There was no rage quitting. There was money raised. All those of you who bought squares on the Trevor rage quit board, we're going to put your name in the raffle as well that we're going to discuss at the uh, main topic here. Anyway, day one, we uh, we did the MQT grind, shot four MQTs. I only shot two. I made rifleman on my first one with a score of 215, and then I went... Uh, up a little higher on the second one with a score of 229, a perfect score being 250. Day two, I decided to shoot all four, and uh, the first one was a 213. The second one, I didn't make it. It was only a 205. Mistakes were made, not going to lie. Uh, then I shot a 223, and then finally I finished the day with the high score of the whole weekend of 237 and the bragging rights for the Slamfire crew because now I have the highest MQT of any of the Slamfire hosts, just saying. For now. For now. Everything's a contest. I know you shot a 236 cold, dude, with no instruction. 
if they if you go through the course and they teach you proper use of a sling and they teach you how to find your natural point of aim and your respiratory pause and rifleman's cadence and all those cool things that really do work, yeah, we're in trouble. <laughs> if you can do a two thirty six cold, you're gonna you're gonna be in the two forties. I I suspect. Well, how, how many how many chances do you get to uh, shoot it during the uh, training? Um, at the end of like you shoot, they teach you, you go shoot. They teach you, you go shoot. Like they really know how to instruct, right? Mm-hmm. They use the three pronged approach. You know, tell me and I'll forget. Show me and I'll remember. Let me do and I will learn. And that's the approach they take. And they verify whether or not learning is occurring. These are actual instructors that know how to check and see if they are articulating the message to you in such a way that you comprehend and can apply it on the line. Uh, each of them takes a different style and approach, but they're all very effective instructors. So they, they, they demonstrate it, explain it, and all this good stuff. Uh, they, they tell it, they demonstrate it, and then you get to go do it, and then they work with you right there on the line. And then, Adriel, you have the MQT grind, which is you spend the last part of the day shooting four MQTs. So each MQT is a Maple Sea qualification target where you have an opportunity to score a rifleman. So... Um, Muffin and I shot on both days. We paid and registered for two days, so it was two events. So every time you go to an event, if you qualify, uh, you get a new patch. So they, we, there was a ton of patches given out, 10 patches on the first day alone, and I think it was 15 mm. shooters. So 10 out of 15 on the first day was, was a high number for them. They actually didn't have enough patches to give me my second one on the on the second day. It's in the mail, uh, which is totally cool. I'm just happy that uh, they were having to give away so many, so many patches. So. so I hope that this program continues to grow. They get the instructor certification program streamlined, and they start to get, you know, provincial coordinators right across Canada. We're talking years. It's going to take years to get these people to get instructors and coordinators in every province. Um, I mean, let's face it; they can't keep traveling around Canada all the time. There's too great of a demand. They've got to they've got to grow and have coordinators in every province, much like Appleseed. Um, and I'm looking forward to that because right now I want to go take another one. I'd love to go shoot one in Maine, but if you go to the Appleseed website. Uh, it talks about ITAR and sorry, Canada, you got to stay home kind of thing. So I don't know what's going on with that. Well, you know, at least it, it gives us a great uh, incentive to create our own program and run yes. our own program within the country. I saw some yes. guys uh, from BC, uh, oh, I can't remember on Facebook or Reddit. And, uh, and they were saying, yeah, we want uh, you, you skipped us this year. We want it. We, we want Appleseed too. So I think Mapleseed. getting, uh, yeah, Mapleseed, sorry. Um, so I think getting more instructors would be a really great thing and, uh, yeah. it's going to really get this, uh, uh, moving and it, like just, just on a more meta level, I think when you look at rifle shooters in general in Canada, I would say the skill, the skill levels are ve- like vary a lot. And the, the, I would say the average is not fantastically high, uh, mm-hmm. but a training course like this, like really makes a huge difference. So it does. when when we can, you know, pump through a lot of students and raise that bar of uh, uh, marksmanship in Canada, all those people can then, you know, teach their kids, teach their buddies, teach their wives, teach their wives, teach their husbands how to how to shoot properly. Our marksmanship in the country is going to go up as a whole as a result of a program like this that's going for widespread adoption. Yep, 
definitely in outside of uh, law enforcement and military, there's not a whole lot of opportunities for civilian marksmanship training. Mm-hmm. So it's uh well, there is. Man, it's no just it, it's it, it's usually uh, pretty expensive. You're usually talking about uh, you know four hundred dollars up kind of thing for a weekend, up to like thousands of, of dollars. So uh, something inexpensive, yeah. where even like you're using an inexpe- inexpensive firearm, inexpensive ammo, uh, it's extremely approachable and uh, should you know if if it keeps going the way it's going, it should really up the marksmanship level of shooters in general in Canada. Yep. No question. Um, so then I spent some money on some stuff. Um, being an Ipsic shooter, I've been shooting with a quote-unquote race holster pretty much exclusively. Except for when I started shooting classic, I had a um, Lorette sold me a um, Blatech, and it was on the dropped and offset Blatech holster, which wasn't legal for Ipsic because it was too far away from the body. So I went to the Sierra Speed Seabax hanger, and I liked this setup so much that when it was time for a three-gun holster for my um, Arsenal Strike 1. Ryan over at Highlander Tactical hooked me up with his new competition holster, the Kronos, and I actually mailed him a CR Speed Seabax hanger so that he could make the Kronos specifically custom-made for that hanger. And so now my classic gun and my three-gun gun have the same holster kind of configuration, and um, I'm doing the same for my standard gun. I had a a um, blade tech holster sent up from freedom ventures and they're out of stock with the ec backs hangers but when they get back in stock i'll, I'll throw one on there too uh i just yeah the the race holsters are nice but they're not as secure and um a little 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 touchy this says right on them for expert use only and my draw is just as fast out of a kydex holster the as it is out of a, a, a race holster. So, well, if you're going to be switching. goofing around with with three gun or, or really uh, action oriented sports, you're gonna you're gonna bang your holster up against things. And mm-hmm. in three gun, you're you're it's going to be expected that your pistol's in the holster while you're running around with your shotgun and your rifle. So you don't want to you know like the the girls ghost holsters just kind of leave them sitting out in the air. So if you have to, oh yeah, um, like the, even this never we- tried one of those for three gun. Oh yeah, even this weekend we had a a. a prone uh, modified prone shot and uh, <laughs> you know you need a good holster that's protecting your pistol just to keep mm-hmm. like never mind the the look of it but just thinking about like keeping dirt out of the operating mechanism and that kind of thing like a, a decent holster holster will uh, protect it a bit more yeah and the ghost ultimate holster simply holds the trigger guard nothing else everything else is completely exposed i smashed the screen protector at the nationals um this year in calgary or last year in halifax uh, I took the uh, my cell phone out of my pocket and hid it on the front side of my pistol because it was just hanging out there in the wind exposed and cracked the screen protector. Mm. So, um, yeah, you're right. The uh, full full Kydex holsters, that's another advantage. They keep the dirt out of the gun. The other thing, Adriel, is I can get the gun a lot lower on my body with these Seabax hangers than I can with the Ghost Ultimate. There's a hack where you can disassemble the ghost ultimate and get a bit more um adjustability so that you can lower it down but uh, still not as nice as the seabacks so my draw is different and it's okay it's one thing to run three different pistols and three different events but if i can have the pistol hanging in the same place regardless of what pistol it is it won't mess up my muscle memory for my draw so that's another huge incentive for keeping all three holster setups the same Yep, and then I ordered two scope rails for my five nine seven, which is my maple seed rifle, um, because in uh, Guelph, 
Kelly felt that the eye relief could be improved by moving the scope forward. I couldn't move it forward with the current rail. And then we get down to the maple seat, and I needed uh, to raise the comb on my stock to get my head in a, in a better position. So the rail was uh, also too high. So Evolution Gunworks makes a nice rail, and it lowers the scope closer to the receiver, and it extends over the front of the receiver, so I was able to move the scope forward. So now the scope is lower and forward, so now my cheek my cheek mold is uh, is better, and my eye relief is better. So now I'm definitely looking forward to the next maple seat, because uh, two of the the only like critiques of that of that platform have been uh, addressed. So see, instructors, you talk, I listen. There's also a story about the maple seed, about how um, they were joking about chances are after Trevor attends a maple seed because he's such a gamer and a protagonist that we'll probably have to change some policy or develop a policy. Is Trevor will leave an impact on maple seed. We just know he will because he's douchey like that. And yes, of course, I did. Uh, I showed up with a pistol on my hip. And it hadn't happened before in Canada. And in America, in Appleseed, it's a no-no. I had a conversation with Stacy as to why it's a no-no. And it comes down to when you're laying prone, you're muzzling the instructors. So you can make all the arguments in the world about, well, it's empty. Um, it's holstered. It, you know, it doesn't matter. You're not supposed to point anything. You're not supposed to point a firearm at anything you're not willing to destroy, loaded or otherwise. And you're also supposed to treat all firearms as if they're loaded all the time. So if you apply that logic, agree with it or not, that's the logic they use for why. Uh, and I am paraphrasing here. Stacy can clarify if I've made any mistakes. Um, if that's the reason why they don't want a, a pistol and a holster, it's because when you lay prone, you're muzzling all the instructors and everybody behind you. Uh, fair enough. So when Kevin saw the holster, the uh, he thought it was my Glock initially. So Kevin started talking to Rick about, oh, for a lot's wearing a gun. <laughs> and so it's it wasn't a range rule so they 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 let it go but uh I, he i had a conversation with kevin about it too and i said hey if if it has to come off i'll take it off i won't i won't even make a big deal about it or or call it a cuck range or anything i'll just take it off and we'll carry on but he didn't ask me to take it off so there's a pretty cool shot out there of mcclatchy and i standing next to each other on the line oh yeah mcclatchy and jewel shot it too on the first day um and uh, NB Hillbilly, a listener of the show, a friend of the show. And uh, anyway, um, there's a cool picture of Matthew and I standing on the line, and I've got my pistol in my uh, one of my Highlander tactical holsters. So it, uh, I, I don't know if I have the proud distinction or dubious distinction of being the only one to wear a pistol to a maple seed. So now there's probably going to be an official thing about don't wear a pistol to a maple seed because of me. Anyway, um, and then I did some work to my 1911, my Trojan, my classic gun. I changed from an arch mainspring housing to a flat mainspring housing. Uh, still Dawson, because I just preferred the feel of everybody else's 1911. And the difference was their 1911s had straight mainspring housings. I had myself convinced I needed an arch because switching from a Glock to a 2011, the grip angle on the Glock in the 2011 is different. It's kind of a hump on the back of the Glock, so I used an arch. Actually, my 2011 came with an arched, so when I got to a 1911, I also went arched. But uh, I'm happy to report that I put the flat mainspring on there and didn't notice any, like I, it, I took to it like it fit fit even better. It was more comfortable. I shot a match yesterday, won the match uh, overall, and uh, and and certainly it was to change for the better. Other, other than that, just doing some work around the range, put a put a scope on my uh, 
Magpul 1022. I said in my grand because I've been bear hunting recently with my grand. Um, and then a bunch of other stuff came in, a new buffer for my AR and a Volkorts extractor for my 870 that was supposed to go in the Cincinnati 870 clone that I won at the uh, charity shoot. Uh, not the same at all. The extractor on the 870 or on the Cincinnati clone is actually uh, pinned into the bolt. Oh, It's not just held in with the spring like an 870. So my 870 just got a Volkorts extractor. And I was going to do that upgrade anyway if it worked well in the Cincinnati, but... No, I haven't. No, there's no way of changing it. So that being said, uh, when the first time I had the eight set the um, Cincinnati 870 clone out at the range, it didn't feed very well and it extracted even worse. So I brought it to my gunsmith and he had ordered 870 polishing brushes, chamber brushes, um, a couple of years back because I was going to get my 870 chamber polished, but it wasn't the, the chamber. It was actually the extractor and the ejector. So I replaced those and uh, it worked flawlessly after that. So he still had them in the package new. So he polished the um, extract the chamber in the Cincinnati and it's smooth, 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 smooth. It's in my truck right now. Uh, I'm on my way to the range when we're done the show so I can uh, test fire it. And then I also got a True Glow screw in fiber optic bead. So you take the bead out of your barrel and you screw this fiber optic in. Not very big, but just, you know, it's a lot, it's going to catch more light than a bead for sure. So uh, I'm going to put that in. And my Savage Mall 99, the safety has a little detent spring and it was gone. So he ordered one for me, Denis, and I'm going to install that sometime this week. And as I said, I shot a match yesterday. Matthew stopped by and uh, made a hilarious video of me with coffee stains on my shirt, looking like a slob. And we put that on the <laughs> Slamfire Instagram. So you might want to check that out. You said that okay. uh, you, you, you screwed a fiber optic sight into the front to replace the bead on your Yeah, shot? I... I have not installed it yet, but the bead on my 870 is screwed into the rib. It's a factory mm -hmm. 870 barrel that I had cut down and threaded by uh, Casey at Tactical Ordnance. So you screw out the bead and screw in this True Glow fiber optic front sight. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'd be good. I, I really like fiber optic front sights. They're oh, easy to pick up. They're just really bright. It just it beats a bead or a, a dot on a pistol or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. I mean, my, my Versamax has fiber optic. My um, 930 JM Pro has fiber optic. My 870 needed fiber optic because the option is there. There's not much I can do with my Mossberg 590A1, but it the blade on the front it's blade on the front and a um, a peep style ghost ring kind of thing on the back, mm -hmm. and um, the blade has a a blaze orange paint on it, so it's it's not so bad. Very cool. So, what about you? What have you been up to? You're uh, out playing with that modded Glock. Yeah, yeah. I got uh, all my parts for that Glock came in. Uh, I installed them one night, and uh, man, it feels very different. <laughs> the uh, uh, so I, I think I complained last week about the magwell on the Glock. Uh, it's very straight. Well, this is a Gen 4 Glock. The Gen 5s are s supposed to have a, a little bit more of a bevel on them. But even that one, I was I was watching a, a video on YouTube of someone uh, talking about the magwell, and they were complaining about, I think there was like a little uh, half-moon cutout. I can't remember if it was on the front or the back. And that, he was saying, was catching on mags. So even that one's not super fantastic. Um 
anyways, I've got a, a Zev crinkle finish brass uh, uh, magwell on it right now. It's quite large and uh, excellent for this kind of thing. <laughs> I think in Ipsic there's a there's a limit to uh, how big your magwell goes before you get bumped to a different division. In three gun, the in no what sp- sport? In what sorry? In which sport? Like if production. Well, okay. Well, the seven there's. The 34 is not allowed in production for mm-hmm. Ipsic. It is allowed in production for USPSA. It would not be allowed to have any magwell whatsoever in either USPSA or Ipsic. If you were to run a Glock 34 in Ipsic, mm-hmm. you would be shooting standard minor. Yep. The Zev magwell that you have is legal. There's a, a, a box that the gun has to fit inside of. It's a mm-hmm. machined aluminum box that's bolted together. You drop the gun in the box, and then you run a bar over top in a, in a, a track that the bar slides into. If any part of the bar contacts the gun, then the gun is deemed to not fit in the box, and it's moved into open. Cool. So this this gun would be... This is like clearly not designed as, a, as an, as an IPSC gun because... Uh, the Glock 34 puts you, like you mentioned there, in uh, standard minor. Standard minor, which I don't know, isn't uh, as far as I know, isn't a great idea. Um, but for free gun, just fantastic. if you're incredibly accurate, in theory, it should work, but it never seems to work out. There's one guy in New Brunswick who shot standard minor and could hand hand all of us our butts. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're if you're as fast as the standard guys and more accurate than the standard guys then you're going to win. As soon as you start giving up Charlie's and Delta in standard, where they're scoring major and you're scoring minor, the points gap just will be too wide and you'll lose. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyways, uh, yeah, love, love the Magwell. Adds a, like the lower receiver, if you want to call it that, on, on, a, on a Glock, the frame of it, uh, is very light, uh, very light um, without anything on it. And this Magwell adds. I haven't. I haven't weighed it. I should probably weigh it because it's probably, it's probably like double the weight or something silly like that. Because really, just the plastic and and the trigger assembly on the on the frame of the Glock weighs like almost nothing. Uh, almost all the weights in the slide. And with the uh, uh, with the Magwell and that little brass slug that ends up in the uh, in the gap where the uh, that hump goes the on the Glock. Plug. Yeah, uh, where that grip plug would go. Um, it adds a ton of weight to it and uh, makes it feel great. Uh, what other mods? Extended magazine uh, base pads, just the, the aluminum ones. I didn't want to go for anything too long because uh, in some three-gun matches, you're limited on length for your magazines. Uh, so I just got some some ones that bumped it a little bit. They added also a ton of weight to those magazines because they're solid aluminum uh, and the magazines just fly out of there. Um, and that Zev trigger. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> what am I talking about? Uh, as a full Zev uh, fulcrum trigger kit without the, the, so not the ultimate one. They have an ultimate one that includes a, a striker. And uh, I didn't feel like changing out the striker for another, it was something silly, like a hundred bucks or something like that. So I'll, I'll deal with the uh, factory striker for that. Uh, really brought the the trigger weight down. Really brought the reset and uh, uh, distance that the trigger moves down. So uh, those were both great. Uh, incidentally, um, I helped uh, Will, a, a buddy of mine, 
with his Glock 34, uh, we installed a ghost. Um, it's not the connector. What's the ghost 3.5 pound? It's a connector. Connector. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, it's a thing that's uh, got a like an L shape yeah. to it that fits yeah. inside the trigger box. You bet. Yeah, we replaced yeah. that. So his. Uh, I also got a. <laughs> I also got a Lyman trigger gauge. So we trigger gauged his. It was like six pounds, pretty consistently. Um, and after getting that and a real basic uh, spring kit, which changed out the striker spring, not for anything too too crazy light, but uh, something a little bit lighter. Uh, as well as the plunger safety spring and the trigger spring, uh, it it brought it down to just an even four pounds and a nice crisp four pounds. Uh, so you don't have to do too much. Like the the way I went was, uh, uh, I don't know if it's if you would call it overkill, but uh, you can get you can get eighty percent of the way there just with uh, twenty bucks in parts. I didn't go that way. <laughs> yeah, you're uh, right. Just a, a spring kit and a connector is not going to cost a lot of money. No, it was it was like twenty, I think twenty five bucks, and it made such a big difference in that gun. That trigger is is a, a lot better now. Uh, so with that Glock thirty four, uh, I went to the uh, Chaz three gun match uh, on Saturday. Um, I brought my FNS and the Glock. Uh, I, I took the Glock because I wanted to check for reliability, and if it was reliable, I'd shoot it in the match. Uh, reliability was excellent. Uh, the sights were off. The rear sight was actually drifted a little bit uh, um, over, and it was uh, my my point of impact were uh, about a foot to the left at 50 yards, but. Um, <laughs> so my buddies were like goading me on saying like, oh, you should still shoot it. I think they're trying to, to get an edge. So I shot it anyways. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, I totally would have been that guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it'd be fine. Oh, yeah. You shoot. The sights are off. Just eyeball it. You'll be fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I ran it in the match. Um, and I would say uh, it cost me. I know on on one stage it cost me a few seconds, and another stage it cost me about five seconds because I had to uh, I had to like see my impacts and then adjust, and then I was start I was fine after that. I have I have since adjusted the sight, so <laughs> it's not off anymore. Good, good. yeah, um, yeah. I won the match, so I got uh, I got nice. first overall. Um, I ro'd on the shotgun stages. I made a shotgun stage with a lot of running, not thinking about the fact that I would be ro'ing, and so uh, <laughs> my legs are like on fire today because <laughs> I basically ran at, like at full sprints too with all these uh, these shooters, um, all like all day Saturday. Uh, but uh, no, it was fun. It was a ton of fun. Uh, we had three shotgun stages. We had some really creative uh, 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 stages on the 100 that uh, Chad, another listener of, of the show, uh, set up. And, uh, yeah, he had, like, I, I was really pumped. This was my favorite stage of the year by far uh, was one that he set up. Uh, let's see. So a couple, yep. couple of weeks ago, you and I both get DQ'd in our three-gun matches, and then, then we both win. Yeah. Yeah, and like, f- funny like enough, our last uh, our last show, uh, we had Wes on, and he won this weekend as well. He won his oh, uh, nice. IDPA match. Yeah, so <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, it's all coming up uh, for us in October here. Uh, my shotgun was excellent. Uh, I, I uh, won two of the three shotgun stages. 
Um, my, uh, well, I actually borrowed my buddy's rifle because I'm, I'm waiting on a scope for mine. I didn't really feel like, uh, sighting in, um, my backup rifle with red dot. So I just borrowed his rifle and his rifle was excellent. And, and I, uh, I won the stage that I used his rifle on. Uh, let's see parts of my game. I want to improve. Uh, I think just getting used to the Glock. The, the the trigger is much better than the FNS. So it, as I was shooting uh, the Glock, it felt like cheating because as I was pulling the trigger, the sights weren't moving because it's such so much less poundage on it. Uh, the reset and uh, and capability of just firing shots quicker was also a lot better on on the Glock. Um, I would say. Like controllability felt about the same. Like I, I know there's more weight on this thing than there is on the FNS, but I didn't feel like a, a lack of control on on the FNS. Um, but like I'm a big guy, and it's a nine millimeter with a with a, a long slide, so it's it's not gonna like rock around too much, anyways. Um, reloads were fine. Like really, uh, the, this is the this is the first time I've I've shot this thing in a match, and it all it was all basically very much the same. Uh, as the FNS. Uh, what else did I do? Last weekend I went out and shot a grouse, set up a couple of deer stands, just getting ready for hunting season. Uh, I handled uh, Matador Arms chassis for the uh, SKS, uh, plus their hammerhead mm-hmm. brake. And their hammerhead brake is really nice. It's uh, just about the right size. Uh, it's uh, It's got some ports that are kind of angled to the back, very effective, uh, and really nice finish on it. So uh, great looking brake. And uh, Mr. Uzi, uh, listener of the show, loaned me a JSA scope. Uh, I think it's a scope holder. It's like this. Imagine, like you buckle this thing to the scope of your rifle, and the, and it's got a handle on top, so you can carry it similar to where the carry hang- handle on an M16 would be. So this, these are really popular with uh, precision rifle shooters who have you know quite heavy rigs and uh, you know a lot of stuff on their rigs and this is uh, a more convenient way of carrying it and protecting the scope from damage uh, so uh, I've got that for I don't know, a few weeks or something like that to try out and uh, it looks really cool so I might try it during hunting season why not yeah why not anyways that's uh, that's it for me cool busy we've both been busy yeah. I did some some hunting too. I don't know if I talked about it or not. Gross hunting with Muffin. Um, yeah, he uh, absolutely blew one to pieces because he was shooting a new um, over under they never shot before, and uh, he didn't know which barrel was going to go first. Uh, yeah, so did he hit it with full or? Um, yeah, it was about five yards away, aiming at the head with the top barrel, mm-hmm. and the bottom barrel just blew it all to. <laughs> I used so. uh, I used a twenty gauge uh, shotgun with full choke, and I aimed for the head and like got the head. But I got I, t- I got a bunch of pellets in the in the upper part of the breast that I'm really like I gotta I don't know maybe aim higher or something like that so I don't get yeah. pellets in the breast. Yeah, I used a twenty gauge too, um, single shot twenty gauge that uh, an RCMP buddy of mine gave to me. Um, his father-in-law died and they cleaned out the house and he said, here, you want this shotgun? Sorry, it's got a trigger lock on it, no key. He wasn't done 
saying those words and I had it picked. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can tell someone who owns a lot of guns when they're like, oh, Traeger Lock, you don't have a key? No problem. <laughs> no problem. He told me on the way over, or he called me before he came over and said, uh, it's locked and there's no key. So when he arrived, I had my jeweler screwdriver ready. <laughs> so anyway, um, let's get going. Let's do yeah. uh, upcoming events. Uh, to do to the um, Canadian Patriot podcast, and I'm not sure if International Liberty or Death are in on this as well. You know, when 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 you copy and paste things into the show, it starts off. We are going to be holding. If I read it like that, it implies that this is our event. We need to we need to work on our copy and pasting skills. I think a little bit here. Just just wordsmith it a little bit, so we just have to read it and not think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you know, if it's on the teleprompter, I will read it. So, um, Canadian Patriot Podcast and possibly the International Liberty or Death Podcast are putting on the second annual Frack Cancer Charity Shoot at the Guelph Rod and Gun Club on October twenty first. Entry is forty bucks. It'll be uh, there'll be stages that involve pistol, rifle, and shotgun, or it'll be a pistol, rifle, shotgun match. The exact format I don't know. Uh, loner guns and spare gear will be available on site for those that need it. For more details, including the registration link, you can find it on Facebook at and Adriel will put that in the show notes. Uh, the cost is forty bucks, which comes with a T-shirt and a lunch, so that's pretty awesome. Um, three gun matches, Adriel. Any coming up? Yeah, well, we just finished that Chaz one uh, last weekend. The Northwest Three Gun season finale will be this Saturday on the twenty-first. Uh, that's their end of the year uh, match. And the following weekend has Lakeland 3-Gun, the Medicine Hat 3-Gun, and the Northwest 3-Gun Zombie Fun Match. Awesome. Awesome. And um, we'll do the next, uh, we'll read that other one next week then? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, SummerSlam, my uh, Rescuers Gun Club's annual Level 3 3-Gun match will be on August 4th and 5th. And uh, registration is supposed to go live tomorrow. 150 bucks, uh, a spot, 150 people, and uh, 16 stages, 300 rounds. Good times, good times. And then there is a maple seed coming up uh, in southern Ontario. No, solar, sorry, southeast Ontario, southeastern Ontario. Uh, there's going to be two, Stony Lake on October 21st, 22nd, and Kingston, November 4th and 5th. And you can get more information on those events at mapleseedrifleman.com. News, Adriel. What's going yeah, on with well this you, first one Which here? one do you want to start with? So the first I'll one... I'll start with the first one. So this comes to us from the CBC. Murder charge dropped against Gilbert Budgel, who police say didn't kill... Say killed home intruder. Sorry, yeah, he killed a, a home yeah. Intruder. So he killed the home intruder, and they dropped the murder charges. Crown. This is the part that triggered me. Crown says they couldn't prove it wasn't self-defense. No reasonable likelihood of conviction. So they instead of oh, I'm triggered again. It's backwards. Crown says, they, sh they should be, backwards. hey, this, like, we're seeing that this is, uh, you kill this guy in cold blood, not, uh, we think we can't prove you didn't kill him in cold blood. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah, we, we can't prove it's murder. 
we can't prove it's murder, so you're getting off. But instead, they phrased it. The Crown said, we couldn't prove it wasn't self-defense. I just, I would like somebody who understands the law better than me to maybe explain that statement from their point of view, because, you know, murder, murder requires malicious intent. There has to be malice. And if you break into someone's home uh, and you're disrupting their castle and you're threatening them, the malice is not in their heart. The malice is in your heart. So anyway, but regardless of how they worded it, the man got off. Mm -hmm. So man shot during Botwood home invasion is dead. Gilbert Budgel charged with murder. They dropped the charges because... They simply couldn't prove it was not self-defense. Mm-hmm. So, and there was two men. So, oh, and the deceased was a friend. Interesting. I didn't read this whole story. Did you read it? Yeah. Okay. Well, you want to talk about it then with a bit more authority than me, considering I didn't even read it. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's scant on details. It says that he was a friend or something like that, and had been to the house a couple of times before. But that's it's not really enough detail to do anything other than like throw wild speculations at. So, um, okay, you know, you never like who knows what context this was under, or whether this was accidental or not accidental. You know, it, it's it doesn't say there. Um, so I didn't want to just speculate on it uh, without having any information. Okay. Cool. Wolverine Supplies uh, in Manitoba has um, submitted a new firearm to the RCMP for analysis, if you will, clarification or classification. Mm -hmm. And it is the CZ Bren 805. So uh, hopefully that will come back non-restricted, which will give us another cool um, non-restricted black rifle in Canada. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, more is better. Uh, yes. Yep. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm going to cover this next thing. Yeah, we, uh, I, th- I think we can go past it. It's just speculation yeah. at this point anyways, and we don't need to cover speculation. Yep, exactly. And um, then there's... The NRA the one? NRA. Yeah. Yeah. So the NRA is, is basically said that they're, they're going to play ball with uh, gun control measures on uh, bump fire stocks and uh, other uh, uh, f- uh, frequency, not frequency, other rapid fire devices, devices that allow you to fire a gun rapidly, um, which it, it seems, okay, so you take bump fire stocks and they say that they're going to regulate those because in the, in the U.S., uh, fully automatic weapons are, are regulated and with a bump fire stock, you can get pretty close to it. Okay, gotcha. Uh, but how do, how do you regulate that? So they're, they're going to try to put a regulation through that uh, regulates rate increasing devices. Right. Um, so there's the problem. The legislation is poorly written. And rate increased devices, that means that uh, uh, Geisley Automatics, I mean, the name Automatic is in Geisley's name. So for the listeners that don't know, Geisley is just the, the, the name that we normally just refer to them as. They make competition triggers for AR-15 rifles and a couple of other rifles. Like They also make a trigger for the Tavor. There's uh, just about nothing out there better that I've come across 
fore and aftermarket AR-15 trigger. And they make things, uh, they make one called the Super Semi-Auto. And then there's the Super Semi-Auto Enhanced. And then there's the three-gun. They make some two-stage. They make some single-stage. Most of them are single-stage, just like a factory AR trigger. But the whole purpose is they make the trigger easier to pull so you can pull it faster. So will the legislation affect this? Depends who wants to interpret it. Yeah. It, I think the trying to draft legislation around this is difficult in any way you try to do it. Because like, yep. if, if you just took this literally, they're probably trying to block uh, bump fire stocks, maybe the, the cranks that, that you can use. Yeah, uh, cranks, automatic, or electronic triggers. Uh-huh. But then like, we're, we're, we're talking about trying to stop people from doing something uh, which is in, in by itself very simple. Bump firing a, a gun is not a complicated thing. And trying to legislate those devices themselves is really difficult. You could use there's – a, there's a way of bump firing with a stick. There's a bu- way of bump firing with a rubber band. There's a way of there, – there's like so many weird ways of doing this uh, that it becomes very difficult to legislate. And even like <clears throat> now let's just take training. Uh, there's a there's a video with Iraqi veteran 8888 with uh, uh, Mr. Mich- Mr. Michalik there. And, uh, you know, Jerry's shooting just using his trigger finger, which he, he is very fast. <laughs> but he's only really one or, one or two rounds off of a bump fire stock in a full 30-round magazine. So with training, you can – well, lots of training, I guess, we'd argue with, uh, with Jerry – you can shoot nearly as fast as a bump fire stock. So what are we trying to do here? Like this, this is something that you can train yourself to do. Uh, does Jerry have to, you know, be legislated against now <laughs> because yep, he's nearly just like as Chuck fast? Norris's, Chuck Norris's hands are restricted weapons. Jerry's <laughs> finger has to be registered. Yeah. They got to get a tax stamp on there and get him tattooed. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. Well, it's it's just inherently difficult to legislate. Like this is that the pro the problem is legislation sticks, but technology changes. Technology and techniques change. Uh, well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and legislation drafted in the wake of a tragedy is never good. Mm-hmm. Look at the Patriot Act, right? Yep. I mean, they gave up so many liberties, and it was passed overnight without being read. Yeah, and that yeah, that was a horrible one. That one affects us. Anyways, um, so the the I guess the the more interesting thing here is that the NRA is choosing to work with um, Republicans and Democrats in drafting legislation on this. Uh, some firearms owners in the U.S. are really pissed off about that, um, and uh, you know there, there's definitely some backlash on that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, and this last one, there's a story on Canada Gun Nuts that um, the NFA is encouraging people to join the Liberal Party. And um, before you, you know, kick your car stereo or punch your laptop, <laughs> um, the rationale is not new. And it is um, you can't affect change. By not being part of the team. So if you join the Liberal Party, you'll have a better chance at 
affecting the change in their firearms platform. If you're a card-carrying member, they'll listen to you. They're not going to listen to me who doesn't carry a card for any party. I may identify as some kind of conservative or libertarian or liberal conservative, but I don't carry a card to any party, so nobody gives a crap what I have to say. So they're saying if you want to affect change in the Liberal Party, you should probably be a member of the Liberal Party, and Mm -hmm. I can't say that I disagree. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, if we if we want the ruling party right now of Canada to uh, uh, to be better informed and not make bad legislation, uh, we need to be in there and uh, and voting and uh, giving our two cents. And uh, you know, one of the great ways of doing that is is through party membership. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. You want to do the new products? Yeah, you bet. Uh, the first one is Wanstalls is bringing in the M plus M M10X. This is a, a really interesting rifle. It's non-restricted. Um, they had a pre-order, and I think there might have been some like communication, um, you know, wires crossed kind of thing with the manufacturer because the manufacturer wants to sell these at a higher price. But anyone who got in on the pre-order with Wanstalls, they're honoring the original price, which was fifteen hundred bucks. So. Uh, pretty inexpensive, non-restricted rifle that, uh, that a lot of people got uh, a really great deal on. Um, I don't, we don't know what the pricing is going to be just yet uh, when they do get in Canada, uh, but uh, it's an interesting rifle, nevertheless. What kinda is like, it? It's kind of like a, a, a modernized, new kind of AK-47 kind of a thing. So, uh, okay, yes, 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 yes. I did see some of these. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be non-restricted, isn't it? You bet. Yeah. Yeah, because it's uh, it doesn't. The RCMP would say it doesn't trace its lineage to any one specific firearm, much like what uh, Alberta Tactical did. Yeah, this is really cool. It kind of looks AKA esque. Mm-hmm. Um, Uses AK mags, AK mag release, all that kind of jazz, but very different. Uh, receiver, very different, uh, you know. Uh, Picture, if you will, the upper of an XCR. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 really what it looks like. You're right on that. Yeah, XCR with a AK mag and a folding stock. Yeah, Magpul grip. It's a cool looking gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool looking gun and uh, not restricted, which is kind of interesting. So, and so, what what is it going to compete against? It'll compete against the VZ fifty eight, um, the XCR. Yeah, the XCR is is like up there in price though. It's it's not in the like fifteen hundred to eighteen hundred dollar price range. No, it's quite. You're right. You're right. So price wise, yeah. you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want one. It has the charging handle can be switched to either side, which Ooh. is good. Yeah, lefty charging handle. That's what I want. Me too. It's on yeah. the correct side. If it's on the left side, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I could whack a bear with this. I got a ton of AK mags now. Why do you have a ton of AK mags? Um, the you know the new Narinko um, M three hundred five that's chambered in seven point six two by thirty nine. Yeah, I will have one of those. So ah. I picked up some uh, AK mags. There are AK mags in Canada. They are pinned to five. Mm-hmm. They were in rough shape, so I got them hot blued, and they came out really nice. I didn't. Uh, I didn't have Denny, you know, po- completely polish them and make them mm-hmm. super pretty. I just knocked the rust off and and hot blew them. 
Cool. So yeah, so I have ah. some five round AK mags, and I have some thirty round pin to five. Do they have any like midway? Because I think a five rounder would be kind of awkward to use. I wouldn't mind like a five ten or a five twenty kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Have you seen any of those? No, no. But a five mm-hmm. a five ten would be great. Yeah, nice and Especially compact. Especially applications. Yeah, yeah, nice and compact, but enough to hang on to that you can then rock and lock it in there without, you know, mm-hmm. trying to squeeze like a five rounder in there. Anyways, uh, take a look at the uh, M10X on Wanstall's uh, website. Uh, the next one here is that Quaystar is uh, Quaystar Questar Questar <laughs> is Quest running Star, a uh, new old stock sale. So they're selling out. Uh, one of their dealers um, uh, sold all their stock back to Quaystar. Questar. <clears throat> we'll get that right soon enough here. Anyways, they've got a punch a well, bunch it took of six uh, months to stop saying Wanstall. So <clears throat> yeah, it's it's kind of sticky those uh, those bad pronunciations. Uh, <laughs> Emphasis on the wrong syllable. Yeah, and uh, CZ or CZ, whatever. Anyways, Questar, <laughs> Questar has some new old stock. They have some really good sales right now. They're running those through uh, uh, CGN, so check out their dealer form there. Cool. Uh, Nordic Marksman has some Elcan C79A2s. So if you're looking for a military-style uh, optic for your AR, something that's really reliable and durable, uh, check those out. And Western Metal has the GSG-15s for $4.99. And those are very sim- similar to your ISSC uh, 22 rifles, as well as your, uh, I think even Anschutz has a branded uh, model that uh, that uses that same platform. Yeah, not a fan. Yep. Cool. All right, so uh, let's jump into the main topic. Joining us this week, we have Tracy Wilson from the CCFR to help us launch a new fundraiser raffle for a very special gunny who is uh, near and dear to our hearts here at Slamfire Radio and a uh, longtime member and hard worker within the CCFR. So Tracy knows him uh, better than any of us here on the show, and she certainly knows his background and his story. So we've invited Tracy to come on to fill in the listeners' um about this uh, brave man's story. I know as cheesy as that sounds, but he's one brave and tough son of a bitch. And uh, Tracy knows everything that he's been dealing with better than anyone I know. So uh, we've asked her to come on and, and fill you, the listeners, into uh, the state of affairs, if you will, and, and this man's life. Hopefully um, help get you on board for this uh, important cause. So Tracy, welcome back to Slamfire Radio. Thanks, Trev. It's great to be here, and I appreciate you guys uh, taking the initiative to do this project. Well, uh, the pleasure is ours, especially when uh, working for something this important, for someone that important, and uh, we're grateful for you f- to you for coming on to uh, to help make this a reality, because without you being the kind of go-between and, and having the history, uh, I don't think we could uh, promote it as well or as professionally. So why don't you take it away? Why don't you tell us uh, who we're going to help? Okay, so the person that we're uh, we're going to concentrate on here is uh, our dear friend Richard Bone. So first of all, his his name is phenomenal, right? We we all love that Richard. Um, so he was just like any other gunny on December seventeenth, two thousand two. You know, felt like he was ten feet tall and bulletproof. And the very next day, December eighteenth, two thousand twelve, everything would change for Richard. Uh, he was working on the uh, oil fields, and he was at work. He had a little bit of discomfort under his ribs on the right side, and throughout the day, it progressed and got worse and worse and worse until finally his employer said, you know, you better go get yourself checked out. So, 
Richard uh, carried on to the hospital. He went and got an ultrasound and a CT scan done. And the very next morning, him and his wife were awoken uh, by a phone call from the doctor themselves. So when it's not a nurse's aide or an administrator calling and it's actually the doctor, usually, you know, the news is not going to be great. Um, So he was asked to come down to the hospital immediately, which he did. And he was given a diagnosis of stage four colon cancer with uh, metastasis on his liver. So this is where they, this is how they define cancer as being stage four is, you know, when it um, metastasizes, it uh, starts spreading through either the lymphatic system or the bloodstream to all the other organs in your body. So this is, you know, it's, it's not a too late situation, but it's a super progressive and aggressive type of cancer. Um, he went into the hospital about 10 days later. Uh, they did a biopsy on one of the tumors. Um, in the second week of January, he went back. They were removed two-thirds of his large intestine. They removed the tumors, his appendix, gallbladder. So he just went through this process where they just started removing parts. Um, he began chemo in April of 2013. And uh, in June, he they revealed five more tumors into his lymph, lymph nodes, four in his abdomen and one under the collarbone. And uh, with the discovery of the new tumors, he was reassessed, his chemo drugs were changed, and a terminal diagnosis was delivered. And Richard was given one to two years to live at the maximum. So just to backtrack, this is June of 2013. So he had been battling for about a year and a half, and they said, that's it. You know, they kind of punched his ticket and said, you've got, you know, one to two years to live. So Richard decided to be the positive kind of guy that he is and turn something negative into a positive. And he began participating in the Relay of Life, um, which he eventually went on to become co-chair of the event. Uh, He is a regional spokesperson for the Canadian Cancer Society and a national spokesperson for Heroes of Hope representing Canada. Um, Things just kind of progressed through 2014 and 2015. There was numerous other tumors, uh, chemo treatments put on, chemo treatments halted to make sure he was strong for surgery. It kept going and going. By March of 2016, Richard, uh, he was pretty impressed. He was among only 5% of people in the world with this diagnosis that had lived this long. So he had beat his one and a half to two years. Um you know, the diagnosis he had been given, the death sentence. So in March of uh, March 31st of 2016, they found a new tumor in his, uh, in his bladder. He went for more surgeries. And then he noticed uh, a year later in March of 2017, a lump had developed on the side of his neck. He was hoping maybe it was just like a cyst or just, you know, some other kind of you know, health issue. Uh, The bad news came that it was squamous cell carcinoma. So this is a cancer completely unrelated to all the previous cancers. And the, this cancer spreads to the lymph nodes in the neck and then throughout the body. So this is again, another really serious uh, diagnosis that he's been given. So he underwent a major surgery just in August, uh, at the end of August of this year, just a couple months ago now. And they did an incision. I don't know, you can follow his story on his Facebook page called The Trooper. They did an incision that stretches from ear to ear across his neck. So he jokingly calls it a Colombian necktie, but quite literally, they literally opened his neck. Now, because of all the uh, cancer cells that were found through his his 
you know, his throat and his lymph nodes in his neck. Basically, what they did was they did a skin graft from his forearm where they removed, I don't know, in the pictures, it looks to be about a four inch across by 10 inch long section of skin. And I, when I say removed, I mean right down to the clear, you know, if you've ever skinned a deer and removed the skin, you know exactly what that looks like. It's was a little horrific to see, but it's the reality of life as Richard Bone. So they removed that skin graft, uh, that skin to do a skin graft and rebuild the inside of his throat. So you can imagine what this is going to require, right? Just to try and recover just from those surgeries. I mean, the amount of pain he's in in it, uh, on the arm uh, skin removal alone is. I, I can't even fathom what that feels like. You know, you wipe out on your four-wheeler and wreck a piece of skin off your knee and it feels like it's killing you. This is literally his entire forearm um, just completely uh, void of skin. I, I, it blows my mind. And then the pain and, um, you know, the the kind of – got to relearn how to use all these parts, right? So he's got to learn how to speak with his new throat. He's got to learn how to control, you know, the, the saliva production. He's got to learn – how to swallow foods. Um, he was on liquids for a long time. He's just starting to get around to a little more stuff. And, you know, it's not even clear if this will save Richard's life or if it will just prolong it. And for Richard, he's got a lot going on with his family. He's got a lot of reasons to live. He's got his little granddaughter, Bug, who he absolutely adores. Um, his daughter just got married. And, you know, he, he probably never thought he'd see the day that he'd walk her down the aisle. So he's hitting these milestones uh, with a great amount of of pain and, and work that he's got to endure to be there for his family. Um, but ultimately, that's his goal, right? Is his, He needs to be there for his family as long as he can, regardless of what kind of suffering it's got to put him through. Now, Richard came into my life in about August of 2015. Uh, we were building the, the foundation for the CCFR, and uh, part of, of our mandate is to have a large number of boots on the ground, uh, field officers, we call them, all across the country who carry out our mandate, work at gun shows, and you know, it's not enough just to have, uh, you know, a figurehead like Rod or a lobbyist like me or even just a board of directors. You know, we re- actually need hundreds of people behind us like an army. And Richard, uh, you know, he was a little reluctant, not not thinking that he would have the skill set to be able to do this. But honestly, you know, it just takes a, a will to learn and a will to teach. And he had that. So he joined the CCFR as a field officer in August of 2015, um, jumped right in. And when I mean jumped in, this guy headed up the recruitment of over 100 field officers. Um, his contribution to the CCFR and to the gun community is enormous. So, you know, all of this while in, in the... In, in the background in his life, you know, well, background to us because we only see the CCFR, Richard, but literally, he's literally fighting every day for his life in pain and going through treatments. You know, his family's just been through so much, um, you know, trying to keep their faith with everything. And for Richard to take time out of his life to devote to an organization, um, it just, you know, it speaks to the testament of his character. So, you know, Bone's got some some big b- battles yet ahead of him, and uh, you know he's fighting every day. And uh, it's kind of ironic that that same army of field officers that he helped recruit um, are literally uh, keeping his six right. We've all got his back, so you know we're we're happy to um, 
you know, we're happy to join in with uh, Slamfire on this endeavor and see what we can do for Richard. There was one other little story I wanted to tell you guys. Uh, while he was in the hospital getting this major reconstructive surgery done in his throat, his wife, Lisa, who, you know, of course, is spending a ton of time at the hospital trying to keep him happy and keep him uh, as comfortable as possible under the conditions. She had his bag of hospital laundry in the car and some douchebag uh, broke into his her car, stole his laundry and it contained all his CCFR gear. Like, I, I don't know what kind of people you got to be to be, you know, breaking into cars in a hospital where people are in there with terminal illnesses and their families in there trying to keep them comfortable and you're literally stealing their dirty clothes. Like, I don't know. There's just some people that probably shouldn't even, uh, you know, they, they just don't deserve uh, the, the kind of life that people like Richard are fighting for. Mm-hmm. So anyways, we, we got together and we sent him um, a gift pack with some new CCFR gear and that sure cheered him up and... You know, the whole team's been um, rallying behind him. So I, for one, really appreciate you guys taking this initiative. And uh, I'd like to see us blow this um, this fundraiser, blow the doors right off it. Well, um, given the price back that we have um, as a result of the generosity of our sponsors, I, I can't see why we won't raise a substantial amount of money. The Slamfire listeners have proven time and time again that they are generous. Slamfire's put on several fundraisers now, and uh, I, I really hope, it's my sincere hope, that this one is the, uh, the biggest and best one because I think it's certainly one of the most important ones that we've ever done, if not the most important. And um, so let's, let's begin by thanking our sponsors, and they are um, SFRC, so Ryan and and uh, his team over there, uh, they are constantly supporting Canadian uh, initiatives. And uh, they have donated a Black Lab or Black Creek Labs, the former NEA, uh, 102. So this is the new non-restricted semi-automatic 308 that is basically an AR-10 platform rifle. So these rifles retail, what is it, Adriel, somewhere in the neighborhood of $1,700? Yeah, 1600 $1,700, somewhere around there. Yeah, so Ryan at FRC, is, at FRC is sponsoring this raffle by donating one of those. And, of course, the show's sponsor, the Calgary Shooting Center, our buddy Jeff Reese over there, has uh, a, acquired a Smith & Wesson SEVD, SVED9, whatever the letters are on that. It's a 9mm polymer striker-fired gun similar to the uh, MNP. And uh, that gun retails in the $400, $450 range. And so we have those two fantastic guns. You will, listeners, you will win them both. So, That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And um, I think, I can't confirm it yet, but just by saying that I think they're going to do it, they're going to feel obligated to do it, and they will come on board with something for us as well. Matador Arms, um, I was chatting with uh, Mrs. Matador Arms on Facebook the other day, and she was asking how things were going and what was new, and so um, we got talking about this fundraiser, and I'm just waiting um, to hear back any day now on what they're going to contribute, so I'm quite sure that they are going to contribute, because they've uh, they can, when we raised money for Archie who lost his home to a fire in uh, Fort Mac. It was a uh, chassis that we raffled off that they donated. That was the beginning of the, of the partnership between them and Slamfire, and they've been a supporter of Slamfire uh, ever since. So 
But definitely for now, I can confirm that you, it is a um, BLC or BCL, Adriel, which BCL. is a BCL, BCL, a BCL 102 and a Smith & Wesson 9mm uh, pistol. And I've got to look that up to see if it's SVE or SVD. It's SD9VE is what it is. SD9VE. Um, so, uh, and it's a good pistol, you know, it's, uh, it's a, you can get started into any of the shooting games with that pistol if you want. So I just want to take a moment too to, uh, remind gunnies everywhere that when you're out shopping for new stuff and you might be in the market for something new, support these retailers that not only support our community, but support advocacy, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I was at SFRC yesterday. I did a little Facebook Live, and we showed off the BCL 102, and uh, I did get the opportunity to shoot one a few weeks back, and that's yeah, pretty sweet. So you're, you know, hey, this is your chance to get one. You know, throw some money at this uh, at this raffle. Um, let's help this guy out. And at the same time, you know, you're going to get a chance to win not one, but two guns. And maybe some uh, Matador Arms swag to trick out your SKS. Awesome. Yeah, so Adriel, why don't you go ahead and explain to the listeners what the cost of the raffle tickets are and how they can get them, please. (laughs) All right, will be uh, $5 per ticket or $20 for five tickets. Uh, Send in money to the show. We'll uh, put your name on the raffle spreadsheet with some raffle numbers associated with it. And then uh, when it comes time to draw, we'll get a random number generator, uh, perhaps have Richard on to press the button to make it draw a random number, and then we'll uh, select the winner. That's a great, yeah, that's a great idea. Hopefully Richard will uh, be willing to do that. Now, um, Tracy, I believe Richard, uh, Richard's aware. He he knows the plan and uh, he doesn't want the money. So just, you know, to reiterate what kind of guy Richard Bone is, um, you know, of course, we're going to leave it up to Richard because there is a lot of costs, you know, associated, although we do have medical care in Canada, you know, just the travel back and forth and, you know, everything you do when you step out the door every day, it feels like you blow a hundred bucks, right? Like everything you do costs money. Um, But Richard has developed a really good relationship with the Central Alberta Cancer Center. So this is the home of the bones treatments, multiple surgeries. They have continuously uh, saved this man's life over and over again. And he um, he really wants to help them out um, and, you know, just kind of sp- spread the generosity of uh, gun owners across Canada who are going to support this cause to spread it amongst other people who are also suffering um, with terminal cancers. And, you know, I think it'll just help everybody out. Yeah, so I think we, we, we raise as much money as humanly possible over the next 30 days. And then Richard uh, can do with it as uh, as he sees fit. We leave it to his discretion to use the funds uh, however he deems necessary. Awesome. So and uh, so, in case you didn't catch that, I'll say it again: the contest is going to run for 30 days. Two confirmed prizes: a, a Smith and Wesson pistol and a non-restricted 308 rifle. Um, I mean. It's, yeah. it's, it's it's huge, guys. You can it's win huge. some. Yeah, all we need now is for somebody to pony up a shotgun, and boom, you're ready for three gun. 
(laughs) (laughs) You know what? You're so right. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, we'll let this air and then, uh, you know, you never know. Maybe we can sweeten that pot a little bit more. Right. So, Mr. Uzi, I'm calling you out. This package needs a shotgun. I'm pretty sure that you can make that happen. I know we can. Hey, and you know what? We're going to make these sponsors famous because we're going to give them all all kinds of shout outs all over over social media and yes. you know let everybody in Canada know uh, that these retailers go above and beyond the call of duty and uh, they stand by their by their friends so yep. I believe Adriel was voluntold to write up a nice post um, for the Slamfire Facebook page that you could then share all over the internet universe yeah uh, we'll we'll put everyone to task sharing that everywhere so um, cool. you know it's a great opportunity for the retailers to uh you know, a little bit of advertising on the cusp of something amazing, right? So. Definitely. So, Tracy, is there anything that I forgot to ask or say that uh, you'd like to mention before we cut you loose? No, I think that's about it. So, everybody watch the Slamfire, um, Slamfire Radio wall to watch for details on how you can participate in this amazing contest and help Richard out. Uh, head over to... The uh, Richard's Facebook page, The Trooper, the pinned post gives you a very detailed account of everything Richard's been through. Um, he continuously goes back and updates that over the years. So it's a really long post, but, you know, if something doesn't uh, doesn't stab you in the heart, other than this, like, it's just an amazing, amazing story of perseverance. Uh, so follow The Trooper. Follow Slamfire Radio. Make sure you check out how to participate. And, of course, support your local advocacy through the CCFR. Awesome. Thanks again, Trace. Take care. And Richard, if you're listening, we got your six pal. Damn right we do. Once again, thank you to Tracy and uh, good luck, Richard. Um, We'll be talking to you soon. And uh, listeners, start pouring in the money and win some guns. Listener feedback from Wes, and I'll let you read this one. Just like I let you read it last time. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Adriel and the gang, thank you for having me on Slamfire. It was a pleasure talking through gun with you and Yolanda. I'm emailing you to talk about your pistol picking decisions. I'm currently also having quite the dilemma choosing a new 9mm pistol. I currently shoot IDPA, IPSC, and 3-gun with a Glock 17. I'm trying to hone down my decisions and there and here are my choices with some reasons why or why not. First one, Glock 34, pros aftermarket. Already have accessories and parts on hand. Cons. I like to shoot IPSC and the 34 isn't IPSC production legal. I can shoot in standard, but some consider you're at a disadvantage shooting minor. Uh, do you want to go through all of these and we'll, we'll start commenting on it, Trevor, or do, do you want to hit what on you want to do? You want to, you want to pick it apart as we go? Let's, yeah, let's pick it apart as we go. Just, just on a okay. pistol. So Glock 34 pros to aftermarket. Yeah. The aftermarket on these things is huge it, everywhere. You can just order it and like comes in from the States, comes in from Canada. seems like everyone's got Glock parts. Yep. Glock parts. Um, the Glock is the easiest gun to modify. Yeah. Uh, the Glock, the 1911, the Remington 700, and the 1022, and the 870. <laughs> those are the big ones. Air 15. You can get parts for all, and, and that's why I own all of those guns. Yeah. Um, except for the Glock 34, but Glock in general. Uh, yeah, so if if you're still shooting Ipsic, you're going to buy a gun. Eh, buy a gun that you can use in both. So do you really need a 34, right? Like you could get a 17, um, but you can't really trick it out. 
you do some stuff. You can do aftermarket sights and any Glock OEM part you want. So you can still get a pretty good Glock 17 going, and you can use a 17 in 3-gun and in IPSC. There's not enough pistol in IPSC to justify what Adriel has done. In, I think you meant in 3-gun. There's not enough pistol in 3-gun to justify. Sorry, what, what did I, I say? In IPSC. I misspoke, yeah. There's not enough pistol required in 3-gun to justify dropping big coin on um, Tricking on modifying a like gun that. or buying yeah. like the DVC um, three-gun pistol. But if you have the money, don't let me stop you. But for the amount of pistol you shoot in a three-gun, you really need to have a tricked-out gun. I really like the Magwell. Of course. <laughs> I really like the Magwell. I mean, the rest of it, yeah, okay, some, some like usable sights. Uh, extended magazine release. I got big hands, so like regular mag releases are fine for me. But the Magwell is 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 really the killer thing on this thing for me. Um, I could probably do with a, like a twenty dollar uh, uh, trigger upgrade on it, but uh, no. It just does so much for you because you get both uh, weight, which keeps the gun flat, mm-hmm. and you get a Magwell, which increases the uh, proficiency of the mag change. Well, and the Glock Magwell just by itself is pretty bad. I don't, I don't really like the the. There's standard. no Magwell. Oh, it's it's, yeah, it's catchy. The only one worse. The mags are catchy. There, this there's well, there's a ton that I just don't like about that factory Magwell, and that's actually all. The Magwells on those Palmer guns are all pretty bad. Like the Ruger's bad, the M and P is bad, the Glock is the bad. FNS, the absolute the FNS one is fantastic, though. Yeah, the FNS one is fantastic, especially the F. Well, I mean the same frame, so never mind. That was going to be a dumb thing to say. Uh, <laughs> the Steyr, the Steyr is the worst Magwell I've seen. The M M nine A M A one. That, yeah, the the a, real yeah. weird angle one with the triangle sights that that one yes yeah, yeah. I had one thought I, I thought I, I thought I wanted it until I had it so mm. anyway yeah. um yeah so the FNN let's talk about the FNS sorry the FNS 9L he says uh, pros price front serrations mags are nine and forty. And something you mentioned that I was wondering about was how the magwell. Yeah, the man. So we it's, the magwell. It's excellent. Death. Yeah, you don't need yeah. an aftermarket magwell on the FNS. Yeah. Uh, it's larger. It's smoother. The magazines are smooth. Like it's it's a very easy system to reload with. Yep. Now, as con is no aftermarket parts. Now I got a little bit to say on this. Um, the most, the the best aftermarket part that you could get for that gun would be a trigger. Apparently, it's being developed depending on what form you read by Apex. There are sites available. There's a variety of different sites available from Dave Savigny's site, Warren Tactical mm-hmm. uh, website. Um, after that, though, you don't really need any aftermarket parts. It's got a good enough built-in magwell. A magwell to add weight might be okay, but yeah. you know, it has a cold forged. Uh, cold hammer forged barrel. It's accurate in that barrel. It actually has a stain, a, a steel guide rod already, where a lot of guns have plastic guide rods. The FN comes with full ambi controls, steel sights, steel guide rod. Amazing features for the price yeah. point on this gun. Yeah, yeah. It's but uh, a, if you if you're going to do nothing people. to it and just run it, FNS nine long for for sure. Yeah, a lot of people despise the trigger. 
I sold mine to Muffin. He can't stand it, but doesn't want to sell it back yet. Ah, uh, so my approach would be learn on that trigger, and then when you go to something with a, a better trigger, it'll you'll be amazing. <laughs> you'll have ADs. It'll be great. All right, yeah. Shadow Two, go ahead, Adriel. Yeah, pros weight. Yeah, it's the the Shadow Two is really heavy. Comes race ready, and it's pretty. Cons non IDPA legal because of weight. Maybe aftermarket, not sure, but comes race ready, so may not matter. Yeah, I mean, the Shadow 2, just for shooting, shooting, uh, because of the weight, the trigger is uh, is pretty top-notch. So the problem with the Shadow 2 for 3-gun is if you, one, if you don't want to use the safety, then you lower the hammer. So that means your first trigger pull is going to be a heavy double-action trigger pull. Um, but if you, you, you do, can use you, the safety in three gun. If you do use the yeah. safety, the safeties on the Shadow Two are off of the old Shadow line, and they're pretty much non-existent. They are so low profile to not get caught on anything that they're difficult to to engage and disengage. Um, and that's when an extended to, one that that's available for them, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if the open gun that CZ makes the checkmate. I don't know what parts exactly are interchangeable, but I would imagine that there's a lot of the parts are interchangeable. Hmm. I would even go so far as to say, and I'm, I, I could be wrong, but if it would only make sense that the shadow and the checkmate use the same frame. So if they use the same frame, a lot of the parts should be interchangeable. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, uh, uh, those are those are three really strong uh, choices. Uh, and the one one other disadvantage with the Shadow Two, uh, with the weight, you do need to have good retention on your holster, um, because it, like running around and that kind of thing with a much heavier gun in the holster, it's going to be more likely to bounce out of there uh, than a lightweight gun would <laughs> My be. Polymer gun bounced out two weeks ago. <laughs> there you go. Or a month ago now. So hmm. yeah, make sure that uh, before you run around with a gun in a holster, that you run around with a gun in a holster. Mm-hmm. In your house, so uh, at the range in practice. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I always test the the retention on my like mags, uh, mag pouches, and holsters and whatnot at home, uh, just just before mm. I get out. But uh, so I'm interested. This is uh, from Wes here. I'm interested to see what you come up with in regards to how the 34 stacks up to your FNS all tricked out. I'm currently a Glock fanboy, but the FNS does just as well a job. I'm willing to give it a try. Um, so it tricked out. No, it, I don't think it compares, but it's also like a, a, easily twice the price, uh, put into this gun afterwards, uh, yep. with some stuff that I just can't get for an FNS. I can't get a heavy wet magwell for an FNS. I can't get, uh, like an aluminum fully polished adjustable trigger for the FNS. Uh, and those two things, um, are, are just straight up better in the Glock. Um, but like as a like buy it from the factory and start running it for three gun, the FNS is an, it was an excellent pistol for me. Uh, he also mentions uh, also if you haven't checked out the RIA slash Arms Core Tac Ultra nine millimeter FS, give it a look. I've seen a few recommendations from three gunners down south, and I think uh, last time we we tried recording here, Trevor, we were looking at uh, trying to find these in Canada and couldn't find any available. But they're a really cool looking uh, option. Uh, they were the uh, double stack, 
not a 1911, not a 2011. I think it was using the Paris style uh, uh, mags and frame, uh, but like a, a but right around a thousand dollar. Yeah, but to be clear, not a pair of frame. Um, Correct. It's a double stack nine, nine millimeter. Yeah. Nineteen eleven uh, style, so it should have a really oh, good trigger. Like yeah, uh, and uh, a lot of go fast parts right from the factory. Uh, he goes on, keep up the good work. Love your show. Two Glock strikers way up. And Wes, I mean, if you shoot your Glock uh, 17 like you do at IDPA, you may not need another pistol for three guns because <laughs> it didn't seem to hold you back. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I mean, if he's if he's winning IDPA matches with that thing, maybe he doesn't need anything. I mean, let's let's talk about like need versus want here. I don't actually need a different pistol. The FNS nine L was is actually fine for me and meets all my needs. I just wanted something more. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really doing anything more for me yet. Maybe it will later, but uh, uh, my FNS was not holding me back. Maybe I'll buy your FNS. You don't need it now that you've got your Glock thirty four. It's my backup though. Oh yeah. Yeah. Fair. All right. Wait until if if I get that MP29 all tricked out, maybe it'll be my backup. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Very different backup. Yeah. Can't wait to see how that works out. Oh yeah, something else I did too. Well, now was at um, so I went to Woodstock for a match this weekend yesterday, but I went down Friday night and I stayed with uh, Paul Lombard, and um, we ended up working on one of Paul's friends. Colt Delta Elites in 10 millimeter. So the trigger bow broke, and the shop that he took it to, which I will not name yet, uh, sold him a new trigger bow, a new disconnector, and sear. MIM parts, by the way. They threw all those parts in the gun with the original safety. I keep preaching this all the time. 1911s are not drop-in parts. You have to fit parts to the gun. So that new disconnector didn't work with the safety that was in the gun, and the gun, he didn't want to use the gun because the, the safety didn't function. You put the safety on, pull the trigger, and it would fire. The safety would huh. drop, and it would fire. Yeah, hmm. yeah. So uh, he had the work done in 2010, hasn't fired it since then. I asked him if he had all the original parts. He did. I removed the non-fitted uh, well, you can't really, you have to fit like the safety to the disconnector. You can't really, cause you, if you, if you have buy a safety, there's an edge that has to be, uh, filed onto it. That's what the fitting means. Mm -hmm. And, um, you have to make the safety fit the disconnector. So I took out the disconnector and, uh, sorry, the, uh, sear, I took out the disconnector and the sear and put in the original disconnector and sear. And what do you know? Work like, Work, a like a charm. Charm. Huh. Work like a charm. Work like a charm. And and um, sear spring. They put in a new sear spring, a new disconnector, and a new sear, and a new trigger bar, uh, and didn't fit a new safety. They really they hosed them is what they did. They completely hosed them and ripped them off. They charged them $200 in labor wow. for something that took me 20 minutes to do. Hmm. Store in New Brunswick, too, by the way, hmm. in 2010. Yeah. So, not everybody should be working on 1911s. And uh, future topic, right, Adriel? Yes, definitely. I'm going to yeah. contact some 1911 Smiths because I want to pick their brains about what I should be doing to uh, to that incoming Nork. 
Yep. Do you want to take this one All from right. James? Yeah. So James uh, says, I just wanted to say, listening to Trevor reading my email, like the special dump truck driver he is, making the video with the girls on YouTube because he would not drive across a bridge. That's how the sentence was written. I didn't mm-hmm. fumble. I didn't. Uh, yeah, that's just how it was written. Maybe it has uh, inside seeing, meeting. I guess maybe. I don't know. Seeing his comment on Facebook, just going to say you're dead to me, Trevor. Take your 1911 and shove it, Tabernacle Etsy. No, yeah. he said so, take your 1911 and shovel it. Oh, shovel it. He did yes. too. Yeah. Oh, I went and corrected that. Sorry. Yeah. So, um, making so he made a video. And the video was epic. I don't know if we talked about this or not, but anyway, remember him rage quitting the provincials. He wouldn't go because I wouldn't go pick him up because it was like a bunch of the way out of the way. But, you know, we argued over whether or not it was eight minutes. And anyway, so uh, his kids were epic in the video. We thought you were daddy's friend, Trevor. Why would you turn your back on him? Stuff like that. It was hilarious. Anyway, yeah. So apparently I'm still dead to him. He doesn't. He doesn't answer my texts, but unless he wants something, then he texts me and I answer, and then I'll hear from him again. So that's fine. That's fine. Um, build a bridge, I guess. Huh? Get it? I wouldn't cross the bridge, but now you need to build one and get over it. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have a – what's this? This is an email or a review? Uh, there's still one more email here from One Topher. more email. Go ahead. Uh, Go ahead. Greetings, everyone, from the middle of the U.S. First off, want to say I love the show. Not only is it very informative, it's engaging as well. You all have a great chemistry with each other on top of a genuine love for everything gun, which makes for a great show, especially Trevor, who seems to eat, sleep, and dream guns, which is why I think his This Week in Guns segment takes three quarters of the show. (laughs) Ha ha. Oh, sorry. Not sure what that equals in the metric system, but it's a lot. Just kidding. I do truly enjoy the show and always looking forward to the next one. Keep up the awesomeness and wish you all the best, your friend Topher. Excellent. Thank you. And Topher, I really, really, really powered through and cut stuff out this week. <laughs> um, iTunes review. We have one from uh, the author is M14 Medic. Comes to us from Canada. Five stars. The review says, well, I guess this is a test to see if y'all will actually read this on the show. Here we are. So I've been on a bit of a binge. I've been on a bit of a binge listen of Slamfire lately, which, considering I didn't know the show existed until mid-August, is a bit of an accomplishment, or a sign of a lack of my social life. I downloaded the earliest episode I could, number twenty-four IIRC, and then proceeded to work my way through every episode on iTunes. I got caught up this afternoon. On my drive home from work, great show. I love the cast, the the diversity of the backgrounds, uh, and the way your shooting experiences have grown over the course of 200-plus episodes from the M14 medic in Regina, Saskatchewan. And Regina rhymes with fun. Um, did... Uh, are, the, are the very first episodes still available? Yeah. For hmm. Slamfire? Yeah. Yeah. Are they on iTunes or just our website? Uh, they should be both. He says here that uh, I downloaded the earliest episode I could find, episode 24. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So uh, uh, M14 Medic in Regina, just check out our website. They should be all on there. Cool. 
All right. And thank you so much for leaving a five-star review. We have 157 so far. And uh, yeah, we know that it's a horrific piece of software to navigate to leave a review. But please, uh, if you do so, it helps get the show noticed, which gets us new listeners. So um, shout outs to Ginger Snaps for the use of his mags again. To the organizers of the Ipswich, Nova Scotia Provincials, to NB Hillbilly, uh, we got to meet him and his wife at the Maple Seed. He's the guy that supplied me with this wonderful headset I am uh, speaking into right now. Filthy, of course, and uh, Mike Pospolita, Mark Price. They were all in attendance. Mark Price is um, uh, he came out to uh, just to watch. And bring coffee. God love him. I even hugged him. I hugged a grown man over coffee. I did that. And uh, it was good. And so was the coffee. And so he and he gave me a, a whole pile of brass and ammo boxes. It was just fantastic. So uh, we wouldn't let him watch. They threw him on the line. They came a rifle and threw him on the line, and he made his patch. He shot his patch, <laughs> showed up late, jumped on the line, and, and qualified. So, But thankfully, he didn't beat me because he's beaten me too many times, and uh, I just can't handle it. So. And of course, finally, to the amazing Maple Seed instructors, thank you for all you do. You guys are awesome. Adriel? Yeah, I've got two shoutouts. One to Mr. Uzi for loaning me this uh, uh, scope cover to uh, test out, and one to Chad for bringing the uh, uh, amazing stage prop to, uh, uh, to Chaz for us to shoot with. So, yeah. Um, amazing stage prop? Yes. I'll share it to you directly. Oh, it's all right or that. <laughs> All right, and uh, we got a new Patreoni. Uh, John H. is a new Patreoni this week, and Pat Rat edited his pledge from caliber 284 to 458 SOCOM. Ooh. That's awesome. Thank yeah. you, Pat Rat. We got to get some of those and in Canada. Thanks. We got to get a 458 SOCOM pistol in Canada. Oh. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yep. A 458 SOCOM pistol. That would just, the RCMP would, that would be it. That would be the straw. <laughs> they wouldn't handle it. Maybe. So they wouldn't let it in. Just like the TV press pass couldn't get his VZ pistol in. Yeah. So. Well, no, he got it in. He just couldn't get it classified as a as a pistol because they said it was yeah. a converted rifle. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. And an air pistol's not. Give me, oh, oh my God. All right. Thank you to all the current Patreon supporters. We will be recording our bonus episode next Thursday, Drew. I'm not the calendar guy. I don't know. Well, just, it's the second Thursday. Here. It's supposed to be the second Thursday of every month. So it should have been last Thursday. So it should mm-hmm. be. Actually, we got to do it on the 26th because I have surgery on the 19th and I will be high as a kite and in no shape to podcast. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it won't affect her. It would be a 104 all over again. Only worse. Uh, what else? All right. Yeah, that's it. That's We're it. wrapping it up. You bet. Please join firearm associations and take people shooting and like us on Facebook because we have the most likes and we like it that way. Um, so, yeah, see you next week, everybody. Later. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.